Snap goes high over the head of Big Ben, all the way back to the two, to the one, and the Browns have it in the end zone, and they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown! Not a bad start. It's gleam, man. It's a gleam. Anybody says same old Browns. You, it's not the same old Browns. This is different. Hey everyone, welcome in. This is not the same old Browns podcast. I am Andy Lytle, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, friend, hater of pants, sexiest draft analyst on the planet, Mr. Stephen Thomas. What's going on, buddy? Me and Buinka are ready. We are ready. In case you guys didn't know, we've named the uh, the Tiki Buinka, uh, and is very bad. Still, Buinka's rum. He's Buinka. very bad. I yes. love Buinka. Oh yeah. gosh, there it is. Here we go. Here we go. Four days go Browns. Yes, indeed, it is Chiefs weeks, friends. We are four four long days away from the Browns' opening matchup of the 2021 season at Arrowhead Stadium against the defending two-time, two-time AFC champion, the Kansas City Chiefs. Steven, how are you holding up? I've got a lot of stuff keeping me busy, so it's going to make this week go by a lot faster for me than I think most Browns fans. But how are you holding up over there? Yeah, man, I'm fired up. I'm just, uh, thankfully, we got that Thursday night game. Uh, I Originally, when they first started this a few years ago, I wasn't a big fan. I, I liked the fact that you know, 16 kickoffs happened around the league within sure. 30 seconds of each other. That just felt cool to me. And especially, you know, I mean, that's the way it was for my whole life. Yeah. Uh, but now, especially with this season that we're expecting for uh, our collective favorite football franchise, I'm thrilled that we have Thursday night. At least it's three and a half hours of, to distract me, you know, when I'm, when I'm not going to be sitting there going, you know, so um Plus, it promises to be a pretty entertaining game. So, uh, but yeah, I'm like everybody in the chat. I'm like every single oh, everyone. I, I'm, look, look at the chat right now. They are hype. They were spamming those hype. That's emotes. how I feel, man. I, I am that is out of my chair all day. I'm right there with you. Uh, it's going to be a fun show today. We got uh, some of the OBR staff coming on to join us. Um, it's going to be Jake Burns in hour two, and we got the great Fred Griefham coming on in hour one, correct? Yes, we got Fred yeah. coming up uh, here in just a few minutes. Uh, we'll have. Uh, uh, obviously, everything he saw and heard from camp today, everything he's getting yes. from his sources in the building, um, Q&A with you guys, uh, you know, everything that uh, you want to have answered, we will get it answered. And then uh, and then Jake will join us for hour two and uh, we'll pretty much do the same thing. We'll, we'll talk about last year's Chiefs game. We'll talk about, you know, what could translate into this year. And uh, absolutely. Uh, again, pretty much everything you guys want. And then the big one, Andy, tell them 845. Yes. Yes, at 8.45 tonight, you have to be in the stream chat. You have to be watching the stream. Uh, we are going to be giving away two tickets to the Browns home opener on, on September 19th against the Houston Texans. I myself will be there. I'm traveling back to Cleveland for, for the home opener. But we're going to be giving away two, ga two games, <laughs> two tickets to the home opener against the Texans. Pretty simple how you enter. You just want to use the command ticket or enter that'll do it 
Here's the deets right there. There's the details. I just put them in the chat. Just use the command ticket, and then I'll enter you guys in. Uh, if you want two tickets to the Browns home opener, be sure to uh, definitely enter, guys. You have until 845 to do so, and then we will draw a winner. D. Whalen, thank you so much, Dave, for those 1,000 biddies. Appreciate you. Appreciate very, very much. And real quick, uh, you don't have to sit with Andy. So that's another no, benefit of the ticket. That is that a benefit. Away. Yeah. That most certainly <laughs> is a benefit. Uh, um, and in case there's somebody new, we haven't done a, a giveaway in a couple of weeks here. Just in case there's new people that weren't around for the old one, when, when Andy says use the command ticket, what he means is exclamation point followed by the word. There you go. Right there. You can see it in the chat, yep. the last two guys. Uh, exclamation point ticket that will get you entered now if you try to do it a second time you'll get a i can't remember exactly what it says but it says something like uh, too many entries or something like that if you see that pop up that means you've already entered and you're registered and you're ready to go because yes. you can't enter more than once and the the system will kick it back to you so if you see something yes. that says you know too many entries don't worry about it you, that means you're in that's a good thing to see Absolutely. So yeah, if you failed to enter giveaway, so there, there you go. The Hoff just did it. That means you're already in Hoff. You're good to go because uh, it's one entry per person. And uh, we're excited to uh, do this giveaway. Uh, we, we, you brought it up. Uh, we brought it up uh, pretty much since we've launched that, right. uh, that we were possibly going to be giving away two tickets to the Browns home opener. And guys, I would say it's pretty safe to say uh, all season long, we're going to try to do as many giveaways as we can. So if you don't by any chance win these two tickets uh, here tonight, um, we will have other f giveaways on future shows in the future. So uh, don't give your hopes up. Uh, one quick thing I want to say, Steve, real quick. Yeah. I want to thank everyone. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, I announced some pretty big career news for myself today. Um, I've been hired uh, as a community uh, uh, to join the community development team at Gun Media. Uh, Gun Media is a... Uh, video game developer and publisher out of Lexington, Kentucky, that specializes in horror games. And most of, some of you will know I'm a huge horror fan. I have a horror movie podcast. Uh, I, I played a lot of Friday the 13th, a game, which which gun uh, are the creators of. And I've been hired to join them. So I just want to let you guys uh, know anyone who nice shout out to me on Twitter today. Thank you very much. It means a ton. And as far as my role here at the OBR, sorry, guys, you're not getting rid of me. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. Uh, I'm still going to be at the o still, even though I'm taking this job with gun, I'm going to be with the OBR um, in a, just in a smaller capacity. Instead of hosting five, six days a week, like the original plan was, I'm going to be hosting Monday shows Wednesday for not the same old Browns. And you can expect me to be a part of game day shows as well, pregame and postgame. So I just want to get that out of the way, but thanks everyone for all the awesome shout outs today on Twitter. Super congratulations to our friend Andy for that stuff. Uh, we're, we're super proud of you. Um, and currently I'm, you know, re-binging Justified. So the fact that you're going to Lexington. <laughs> I love that show. Fits in with my life. If, if you meet uh, Boyd Crowder, I'm going to tell you to yeah. stay away from him. But, yeah. you, know, you know, anyway. Uh, real quick, uh, something you were saying before you said that, uh, we will have more giveaways. Uh, we will have more ticket giveaways. We'll have merchandise giveaways. We're going to have all kinds of giveaways. Now, uh, I put something out today real quick. Uh, Fred is uh, coming anytime now. Um, you do not have to be subscribed to win our giveaways. Correct. But it does increase your odds. It does. Okay. And so if you have like, uh, if you could, if, if you have Amazon Prime, and uh, you can subscribe for free. That not only increases your odds for tonight's giveaway, but for all of them all month. If you purchase a subscription because it is September, September and everything is 20% uh, off, it's $3.99 uh, for the month. So think of it like 
It's not this if the FBI is watching, but it's think of it like a raffle ticket for $3.99. You have bought an entry into this ticket giveaway. If we give away tickets for the Bears or the Ravens or whatever game that we give away, whatever we give away, you for $3.99 will be entered into that. That's that's yes. the investment that you're making. So we just wanted to say that uh, uh, stuff real quick. Uh, Fred should be here anytime. And, uh, we wanted to get all of that stuff out. <laughs> yes. And Blenny, I'm not leaving. I will still be with the OBR just in a smaller capacity, but I will be here on Mondays, Wednesdays, and game days, all game days, pregame and postgame. I will be a big part of both of those. And obviously not the same old Browns on Wednesday, Wednesdays. And then the Monday show, which is uh, going to be a lot of fun too, which I have been hosting anyway. So that will not change. So, but I appreciate all the kind words guys. Thank you so right. much. Uh, real quick, because Fred's here now, I'm going to bring him in. We had a question a few minutes ago. Uh, will we do film on college players this year when we break them down with Jake? We will be doing more stuff like that once draft season rolls around. We're not going to do it in season. We'll be doing draft stuff in season like we did last year, but just light, very you know shallow level type stuff. Once we get into draft season, whenever the Brown season is over, hopefully the day before uh, Valentine's Day, that would be fantastic. Uh, after that, when we get heavy into the draft, then we're going to do more film breakdowns. We're going to do the live mock drafts that everybody loved so much last year and all that kind of stuff. We've got lots of plans in the works, but that's months down the road. So the answer is yes, but not for quite some time. Right. Absolutely. Let's bring the great Fred Greetham in, shall we? Let's, man, I'm I, Fred's jacked. I could tell we talked on Monday. Fred's ready to go. Fred Greetham, everyone. Welcome in, Fred. Yeah, putting my face paint on. <laughs> let's let's go baby i'm fired up too i'm fired up too so uh hey i've been waiting 30 years for a good team you know so you know i mean i think i paid my dues went through 0 and 16 1 and 15 i mean we're sitting there looking around the room going why in the world are we watching this stuff you know (laughs) these other guys are playing different sports than the browns are but yeah hopefully it's paying off and we'll see you know so you you paid your dues and probably two or three other people's dues, Fred, carrying uh, covering one and thirty one. So or, uh, there were four <laughs> and forty four. Remember that when people are out there and you're complaining about, oh, the special teams might not be the depth at DTT. That's all correct, absolutely. But it was not that long ago. They went through a stretch no. where they were four and forty four. So appreciate where we are going into this season. So, Fred, uh, we've got you on. I know we're going to have questions for you. The, the chat, of course, we'll have tons of questions for you. But as we always like to do when we first bring you on, we're just going to open it up. What did you see? What do you hear? What do you know from inside Berea the last couple of days? Well, I, I, I think I'm getting the sense the team's very excited to get going today. I talked to Greg Newsom, Anthony Walker, Nick Chubb, um, and, and Kevin Stefanski. And, uh, you know, as far as, you know, that you can just tell, you know, as excited as Nick Chubb gets, you know, he was, <laughs> you know, talking about, you know, getting ready to go. And, and uh, we talked to Baker as well and uh, wrote a story on Baker. I mean, like I said, they are as healthy as they've been a long time. Jadavian Clowney was not there today um, due to an illness, just a regular illness, according to Stefanski. He was quick to point out that he was negative on his COVID test. Right. So that's good news as far as meaning that it's not a an uncertainty. Now it's just, you know, how you feel and type thing. So whether it's a touch of the flu or whatever, you don't even know what another 
illness is nowadays. Everything is COVID. So um, they did have their uh, injury report out officially, but several guys listed as limited. I think it was the Troy Hill uncertainty last week. You know what? He was out. It was a hamstring. J.C. Treader was a knee. Still have Delpit limited, you know, with a hamstring. And I think a lot of that is just normal. They even have OBJ still limited as a knee. Hey, I would love, I'll say that, to be limited if I looked like Beckham does. I mean, holy (laughs) moly. I don't know how limited, you know, you can be. But as far as, you know, that's expected. And this, you know, they're still... We don't see practice after the stretching and the individual drill. So it's about a 20 minutes all we see now. So we really don't know what they're doing. But only Clowney and Michael Dunn were the only two not out on the field today. So, you know, I think that uh, it bodes well. The team seems kind of loose. Um, talked to Newsom. He was voted the Maurice Bassett Award winner first uh, for being the most outstanding rookie in training camp. In many years, you know, I voted on this, and the first guy picked hasn't always, hasn't even recently, you know, been the guy that wins the award. I mean, Harrison Bryant won it last year, um, and Mayfield might have his rookie year, but usually it's it's somebody down the road, and and I think Felton and LeCount got some got some votes. So. Newsom did confirm he is starting at, at right cornerback. He said that he was told by Jeff Howard, the his position coach yesterday, that he would get the starts. Not a big surprise, but it is kind of official that he announced it, whether the coaches want him to or not. He is listed on their depth chart as the starter. I, I think Greedy Williams, if I remember, was listed as limited. That's obvious. He hasn't practiced in a while, but... I'm expecting all these guys to play this weekend. You know, from what I can tell, they all seem to be running around during the individual drills, you know, quite nicely. So it'll be determined. Mac Wilson's list is the starting will, but JOK seemed to think when we talked to him that he was going to start, he backtracked a little bit saying doesn't matter as long as he has a significant role. Right. But um, like I said, Wilson might be out there the first play, but I do think JOK is going to be out there a lot. Um, the only rookies starting, if you will, are Newsom and Demetric Felton as the kick returner. And uh, yeah, there you have several guys. The ones you pay attention to is the do not practice. And obviously Clowney, we don't know the extent, but hopefully he's back there tomorrow. Um Stefanski was was hopeful he'd be back, and so it was not a COVID issue. But um, the the story I wrote on Baker Mayfield, I think a lot of people I had touched on this in the past. Um, in o- when he was at Oklahoma, he used his legs quite a bit, and he didn't have to that all that often. But if you look at last year when the Browns really picked it up in the second half of the year, I make I make a case in a story today that you can correlate it to when he started running. He only ran 13 times in the first half of the season, picked up 29 yards. Second half of the season, 41 rushes for 100 and, uh, yeah, 
I know he had 165 total, so whatever the difference, I think 121 or something. But if you remember in that Pittsburgh game that clinched the playoffs last regular season, he had six carries for 44 yards, including a career-best 28-yarder, mm-hmm. and he picked up three first downs running. Even if it's a two- or three-yard run for a first down, huge. that is huge because when you look at the playmakers on this offense, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Austin Hooper, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, you know, whoever's out there, if you if they got to worry about the quarterback, that is so big because if those guys are spread out down the field and he can see a little lane and run even three or four yards to, you know, to get out of bounds, as long as he doesn't take a shot, I think that's big. And I do think that it was a lot to do with his comfort in the second half of the season. Uh, Stefanski, I asked him that, and he downplayed it a little bit. He said, well, it's really more, you know, Baker's just a good athlete. And I agree with that. But he did not run. If you remember, I I think it was drilled into him early when he got to the Browns, do not run, because he did not run. And, and I just think his legs – Obviously, he's not going to be confused with Lamar Jackson. Right. But if he picks his spots, he can do the Russell Wilson thing. That is such a backbreaker to a defense when you got them all covered. And there goes number six for a five-yard first down running, you know, towards the sideline. Yeah. So, so that was a story, a takeaway I had today on that. And so you can pick that up on the site. That's pretty much the news from today. Um, tomorrow will be much similar to today. And then Friday's kind of walk through and then they fly out to Kansas city. So I think everybody's ramped up, ready to get it on and get ready. Yeah. The, the thing people, um, they can, for some reason, it's been the last five years. It's you're either Lamar Jackson or you're a statue. And there's, yeah. I've tried so hard to get people to understand there's a difference between a runner and a guy who can scramble and, and you know, Baker's ne- like you said, they're, they're not going to run option football. They're not going to run the same stuff that Lamar Jackson does, or some of the really extra super mobile quarterbacks around the league can do. That's, that's not his game, but he can pick up stuff with his feet. It's another dangerous weapon. And with all the deep speed that they've added, I think we might see a little bit more of it this year uh, because you're right, Fred, w- when that guy, We've seen it from the defensive side for the Browns for how many years? They cover, cover, cover. And the guy scrambles and scrambles and scrambles. And then all of a sudden he takes off and and you're just like, God, what all we have to do? He just picked up a first down on third and nine. And it's just, it's so deflating for a defense. And especially if you're in an opposing stadium, it's a great thing to pull off. So uh, it was great that uh, you picked up on that. If you haven't read Fred's article, go, go check that out today. Well, I asked Baker that first and he, he said, yes, that, that is, that is important aspect, and he expects to continue doing that. And you can see the exact quote there. I also asked Nick Chubb, you know, and he said it gives the offense, you know, a, a big lift. And you can mm-hmm. imagine these guys are all pro bowler, and, and they see number six running, you know, that gives a big shot in the arm to the offense, you know, in general. And then so so check that out. But, yeah, I just feel that that's a dimension. Like you said, if the quarterback just stands back there, especially when they're rolling him out, you know, against we've seen him more and more rolling to the left. And if if there isn't a guy with him, 
He just runs to the sideline, picks up the yardage. And if they are, then he dumps it over, you know, to the back or whatever. So, yeah, it will be, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, and, and, you know, and I don't know if you're really ever going to see him with planned, you know, runs, but the other one is I like the quarterback sneak, you know, like when he gets up there on a short yardage, they line guys up five yards back, you know, that you got to have a good run just to get to the line of scrimmage quarterback. Tom Brady's been great at it and he's in his forties. Just look and see where the hole is and dive for that first down, you know, and so forth. So, yeah, I just think that's a dimension. Nobody talks it. Nobody picks Baker on their fantasy because he runs, Right. (laughs) but if he picked up 25, 35 yards a game, I think that could go a long way for the Browns you know, picking up two or three first downs with his legs. That keeps drives going and yes. gives you another chance to throw the ball downfield. So, And yeah. we'll never forget that uh, Maserati, that was the play that clinched the playoffs, broke the 17-year playoff drought, and that was right. big. That was, a, that was a designed run for six. Yep. So uh, even if he another- never gets another first down ever, that one will live in lore. Uh, around Cleveland, which is great, and at the at the very least, it just gives the defense another thing to think about, you know. Absolutely. And it, I mean, and that's that's what it is outwitting your opponent. A uh, cu- couple quick shout outs, real quick yeah. in the chat while while Fred was dropping all that uh, awesome stuff you got from camp. Uh, chat was blowing up a little bit. Uh, we reached a level four hype train. Uh, shout out to Ocean for that follow. Desert Dog, thank you for that two month resub. Appreciate that. N Creek, thank you for the one month tier one sub. Very much appreciated. Santa Claus, thank you for the prime sub. Zero ability, thank you for the follow. Zero ability, thank you for the prime sub. Ariba, thank you for gifting five tier one subs to the OBR Twitch community. Uh, our own Jake Burns, thank you for gifting that sub as well. Thank you guys. That's all I have right there. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. Um, talking about just one last thing on Baker running the ball. Um, yeah, Willie Gay is on IR, uh, so it's a uh, second round rookie and Nick Bolton, uh, who looks like at, at this point anyway going to be leading the charge at linebacker for the Chiefs this week. And Baker is now, I mean, yeah, he's still young, but he's a veteran now, he knows how to take advantage of those kinds of things. So if the uh, you know if the linebacking court, if the rookie gets too deep in his drop and Baker sees an opportunity for an easy four, five, seven yards, he he's going to take it. You know, so uh, there's a lot a lot of ways they can attack this defense that they simply did not have at their disposal uh, when they went to Arrowhead in January. It's going to be a, it, I mean, obviously you know the bulk of both teams are the same, but it's going to be a much different game from the Browns' perspective because the talent level and team speed on both sides of the ball is just drastically different it's the the difference is stark even to the naked eye so i'm pretty fired up about it yeah i mean all the way up and down the roster just on the defensive side the guys you have out there that you didn't have when you played them you don't have john johnson i mean he he can slow down travis kelsey if anybody can and you got jok who has that speed to stay with the quarterback and not let him you know, run for those big gains that he's often allowed to do. And, and so I, Anthony Walker, I mean, he's, he's a much faster version of a BJ Goodson. And so, and now you have Greg Newsome, you know, they're going to pick on him because everybody else back there's a veteran, you know, with Johnson, Harrison, Denzel Ward, and even in the linebacking core. So 
Greg Newsom said, you know, bring it on. You know, he, that's what he's, you know, I like, I like that young man in the times I've talked to him confident, obviously he's going to have some growing pains and, uh, but he's not shying away from me. He says, I'm going to be nervous. I feel like I'm always nervous for a game, but that lets me know that I'm ready to play, that I'm focused, you know, and, you know, I think most, most competitors would think the same way. So I'm anxious to see, you know, if Grant Delpit's up to par and he's going to be able to play, obviously we're not able to see in practice, you know, if, if they're using him or if he's still staying on the sideline as well as Greedy Williams. So um, those are some of the big questions. And what are they going to do with Malik McDowell? There's another, <laughs> yeah. Joe Woods called him a shiny toy, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and Tacarus McKinley, you know, he could mm-hmm. be a wild card. There's several guys that could really, that have been under the radar in that defense. And, and I think that it could be a shootout, you know, I but think so. I think, I think the defense, you know, will make some stops. They'll make some plays. They got too much talent over there not to. I was going to, I was going to ask you, Fred, you, you already mentioned it since you've been on tonight, you know, uh, you've, you've paid your dues. You've covered this team a long time. It's kind of a hypothetical question, but as someone that's covered the Browns for so long and just been around the NFL so long, where does this roster stack up on paper to other Browns rosters from years past 86, 87, those kind of those really good Bernie and Marty years, where do you see this roster shaping up right now compared to those? This is the best roster I've ever covered. Um, You know, I thought two years ago was a pretty good roster, but they didn't have the defensive players they do now. And uh, last year was a pretty good roster on the offense because you got the same offense back, but the defense, you know, really puts it over the top. Obviously we've seen teams that declared they were the dream team. You know, you think of that Eagles a few years ago fell flat on their face. It's, it's really how they play together and come together, but there are just, there are just up and down on the defensive side of the ball, you know, star type players, you know, I mentioned John Johnson, I mentioned, you know, Denzel Ward. Now you got Greg Newsome and you got Clowney and Garrett and, and an up and comer with the two Malik's, you know, a proven Malik and a rookie Malik. And what do you know with Andrew Billings? And so JOK, I just think that the potential, I should say, this is potentially the best team I've ever covered. Now, maybe it just won't come together. I surely think it will. There's too much sure. talent here not to, but um, yeah, this, you know, I go back to the, you know, my first year was 1981. It was coming off the red, right? 88. <laughs> not to age you, born. not to age you, but that's the year, that's the year I was born. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. aging me. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of you probably don't even the stalwarts in the media, like Chuck Heaton and Hal Lebovitz, they were, oh, yeah. they were with the plane dealer. When I started, I was a 22, 24, I think year old intern and they were out there covering the team side story, but I just, I remember, boy, they know a lot, but they are old. And I looked up the other day to see what they were the year I started. Chuck Heaton was 64 and mm-hmm. Hal Lebovitz was 65. Mm-hmm. I'm 64, you know, yeah. and I'm like, wow, I'm that guy. Yeah. But, um, you know, as far as I just am a seasoned veteran, I guess. Yeah. yeah but anyway, are. I think, I think that 
you know, back then that team was coming off losing to the Raiders in, in the red, right? 88, everybody expected them to go to the super bowl and they called it the cyper bowl. And that team was very talented. Um, but they were more a, some of the parts, they didn't have the, right. the star stud, you know, like you can sure. name these five, six pro bowlers on the offense and, mm-hmm. and on the defense, they didn't, you know, they had, you know, good players, but they weren't, you know, Dave Pozzoli and, you know, Lyle Zato at the end of his career and different ones, but it was really how they put that, you know, that together and play and that season. They fell on their face, went five and 11, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I expect much more out of this team. I think that you just got a lot of mixture. You got Kevin Stefanski is just the, the straw that stirs the drink. So to say, keeps these guys on an even keel and, uh, you know, we heard a story today, Baker and some of the guys went to Yellowstone for that three days off, right. you know, and, uh, you know, a bonding thing. You'd think after all training camp, you would have already bonded, but they wanted more time, you know, and I think there was a field out there. They they went through the ball around stuff. So that was that was kind of good to see. Last year's team was had a good bond a good chemistry but i'm getting the idea this this year could even be better i mean they have the defensive guys that are coming together and if they can come together like the offensive guys did i think that they can really you know have a special season yeah i think uh obviously comparing eras is always impossible to go back to your original question um you know it's fun though the game was played so much different in the mid 80s Mm -hmm. during those bernie years but I do think they're similarly structured and how you structure a team sure. remains the same. The, those teams had a cerebral, you know, a top flight leader at quarterback, uh, talent at the m- numerous weapons at the uh, uh, receiving positions, uh, two great running backs, a killer offensive line until the end. They aged. That's what brought the downfall. Uh, they, they let the... Uh, offensive line go in the draft for too many years and the defense while they were never a you know the 85 bears or anything like that they were strong up the middle they were very smart in the secondary they caused turnovers and they could rush the passer now the way you do all those things obviously is different now than it was back then but i see the structure of this team being very similar to that fred and that obviously we all know the offensive line is one of, if not the best in the NFL, multiple great running backs, so many weapons at wide receiver. We cut some that would make 25 rosters in the NFL and be the third wide receiver or better. Uh, we don't know about the defense yet. We have to see them get out there. But on paper, the talent level is pretty It's pretty impressive. So I think they're very similarly structured. Better or worse? I don't know. When you're comparing a team from 30, 40 years ago, that's almost impossible to say. But I'm with you, Fred. Uh, it, it, they're, if they're not the best, the most talented roster that we've seen uh, since I've been a fan and since you've been covering the team, they're in the discussion. They're they're definitely oh, yeah. up there. So yeah. if well, the season six... goes anywhere close to what we think it's going to be, I think everybody's going to be happy. Yeah, I have to. I think you have to go back to the Jim Brown era, the '64 championship team. I was just a kid watching the game then, but I, I mean, you could. That was a talented team, you know. He, two Hall of Fame running backs and Leroy Kelly and Jim Brown mm-hmm. Hall of Fame, you know, linemen and uh, you know you just you just had a team that 
was awesome back in there. And so, yeah, it's, it's fun to talk about, but you know, now you're in the present and, and when I talk about some of those in the past, people are like, who's that, you know? And so only the diehard fans remember a lot of those guys, but that's, that's hopefully you're making some memories here, this window that they have now that, that they can put it together and, and go on a run. And, uh, you know, they got the experience last year, which to me was getting in the playoffs and getting the taste of it is so big. I mean, Nick Chubb today said it motivated him all off season. If you remember, he didn't have the greatest game against the chiefs. He dropped a couple passes. He said that left a sour taste and it really motivated him in the off season. Why? I like to take my chances with unmotivated Nick Chubb and uh, same with, with Baker Mayfield and, and uh, Stefanski said he challenged the, the team after that loss, you know, use that to motivate you to come back. Now, you know what you got to do to get to the next level. And, you know, I didn't have expectations last year, you know, they, they did to me, they surpassed it, but now I think, you know, you got a defense that you really can rely on to stop a team when you need it. And uh, so I'm anxious to see them and see how it all comes together here starting this week. Absolutely. Uh, question, quick question here. And then we'll get to, if you have questions for Fred about the team this week, Absolutely. about the chiefs, all that pop them in the chat. I just thought this one was interesting and it goes back to, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, Andy, that we had Alan yeah. Bell on a few weeks uh, back from in. CBS sports line. He's a, a you know betting expert and he's mm-hmm. man. I wish, I wish I had, he's got the guts of a burglar. I can't he's... do it. I cannot gamble. I can't do it. Uh, but one thing he said when we were, we talked to him when he was on about the win total, if it's 10 and a half, it was nine and a half. Uh, oh, not too long ago, which he said was just absurd. Yeah. Ten and a half. You got to think about it in terms of losses. I think everybody here thinks anything less than 11 and six would be a big disappointment for this mm-hmm. season. They can, if it, if you can get it at 10 and a half, they can lose six times and you yes. still win your bet. And so go go through the go through uh, the schedule and pick six losses. I, I don't yeah. think you can do it on paper. Now, obviously, to me, to me, this and all that kind low. of stuff you can't do it. But uh, you can't predict those kind of things. But it, you know, assuming health from the major players, it seems like a good bet. Yeah, as you said, nine and a half was absurd, and as 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 our past guest did, they absolutely absurd nine and a half, ten and a half. Yes, I I believe that is to be actually quite low. I'm, I mean, I I don't know. I guess the I would think a lot of people would be hammering me over there, even non Browns fans. To be quite honest, uh, Fred, I your take on that ten and a half, a little too low. Yeah, I think. You know, we're we're kind of putting our season projections in, and and I think kind of the 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 low. I I would have them like at ten wins. I, yeah. I think that the if, floor, and that sounds crazy, yeah. is that if the wheels fall off and you only win ten games. Right. I mean, in the past, that's like <laughs> unbelievable. But ten and seven, um, I you know I can't really see them much lower than that but I don't want to get carried away. Right. Um, you know, you could win 13 games, but I think in the, the sweet spot is more in the 11, 12 game range. And, uh, you know, wow, to me, it's what you need to win the division. I've said this over and over again. And obviously if you win 12 games, you probably win the division. Put yourself, you know, a tie situation, 
or right there, but it's all what you do with those six games in the AFC North. And, and, uh, and then you, you're going to lose a game or two that you shouldn't have lost. And you're probably going to win a game or two that you shouldn't. And, and uh, you know, this week, you know, you got a tough task. I think you have a tougher schedule than you had a year ago, at least on paper. There's always teams that you thought were going to be good. And then you're like, what happened to those guys? (laughs) Right. And uh, who knows? I mean, you're playing the, in the home opener, I think you're playing the Browns of 2018. Right. I mean, where they got nine guys on their team, including Tyrod Taylor's the starter. Um, So it's like, wow, you know, so things will really shake out as it goes a big thing. It's always injuries into key players. And so the nice thing is you have depth, but, um, key positions, you can only afford so much depth. You can't replace too many of the pro bowl type players. So no, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm like Steve, I don't gamble. I don't, you know, (laughs) I'm not willing to, to do that. But as far as if, if you were just saying, yeah, I, I don't think you're going out on too big of a limb taking the over on 10 right. and a half. Completely agree. Let's get to uh, this week. Uh, and uh, I know you talked about the Browns injury report earlier. The Chiefs injury report came out. Um, uh, Matthew is – there was something that we saw. There was a, uh, a quote from uh, Andy Reid. Matthew, we're, we still don't know. He's in the protocol. Protocol now, still. He was – he was eligible to come off the COVID protocol, I think, two days ago, and he's still in there, which if you are a Chiefs fan, it, it, you're getting to the point where it's concerning because he has to have two negative tests 24 hours apart in order yes. to participate. So you're starting to – you still got time, but you're starting to bump up against that. And my thought, Fred, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, if he is still experiencing symptoms – even if he does come up negative, he's probably not. I mean, we saw what it did to, to Miles Garrett last year, and Miles Garrett is superhuman. Yeah. He never recovered. So Denzel Ward, ready? too. Yeah, Denzel Ward the same way. They just weren't the same after no. that. So, well, and, and Ward, hate, played, talk, Ward yeah, I mean, played in that playoff game in Kansas right. City, and he wasn't the same. No. And, and, and uh, you know, so wherever Matthew is, obviously, you know, that he didn't get cleared. And so I would think there's some symptoms going on and, and especially with breathing and, and those type of things. I don't know who his assignment would be if they put him back there, but you would think that's where Baker would go, you know, send him deep on a, on a couple balls right. and see what kind of wind he's got. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's so now you got today's Thursday or Wednesday. So yeah, he's got a couple days, but even if he gets cleared, you don't know what his breathing situation is. I mean, that doesn't show up on the injury report and you really don't know because it's all so much protected. So I was expecting maybe more guys dinged up, but it looks like most of the guys are, you know, full participants Mm -hmm. that they were talking about, uh, some po- the limited, I don't know about Frank Clark, you know, limited is, I think I talked about it. It's so guys on the Browns list in the past limited, you right. know, for sure they're playing, you know, like JC yeah. Treader. And then there's limited guys that are really limited and they don't know till game time. So, uh, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, I think that they, 
want, I mean, Frank Clark would be a big one. I thought he was more, I don't know what his legal situation. I thought he had some legal situation. He must've got it kicked down the road where he doesn't have to deal with it during the right. season. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that the Browns will, would just as soon go against them full strength, see what they got. And uh, to me, to me, it's it's a good gauge to see how far you've come. It's a good gauge for your defense to to go against the top offense and to see, you know, how you stack up. And even if you get burned or you give up points, that will fire them up enough to come back and tighten up and and make it pull together. So I'm not going to give away my prediction, but. It wouldn't be the worst thing for the Browns to play well, but not win the game, you know, right. because yeah. they would stand under the radar. And you're going to lose games. They're one twenty and one, and in, in uh, obviously this isn't the same team, but the they only won once, you know. And this is a pretty formidable one. So they've recovered. Even last year, you lost the first game, and you came right. back and and were eleven and five. So. You know, that's to me. I just want to see them play their best and see where it lands. Sure. And you brought up obviously, you're not going to, I don't want you to give you your prediction right now. That's for another show, another time. Um, but one thing I've always liked about Stefanski, uh, based just off, you know, obviously just based off last year was his unpredictability of play calling. Um, he keeps defenses on their toes. So I'm just going to ask you, obviously, you know, you can't give me an exact answer, but what is your gut telling you? Do you expect the Browns to kind of come up fast and throw in and trying to put points on the board, or do you expect them to come out trying to get the running game established to kind of keep control of the game? Well, I think both that. He did talk about he wanted to play fast, and and that was the biggest advantage of having the, the offense returning because they already know what they're doing. They don't have to think. So they can play yeah. fast and 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 be aggressive. Um, they are a run-oriented uh, team. I expect them to try to get Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt off to good starts. And again, I would. This would be the great time to bring them both out together and put even more pressure on that defense that might be a little, you know, dinged up. And you know, what, what better way to do it than to have two pro ball running backs, you hmm. know, doing different things on the same time. And you got OBJ bringing him out there, send him deep and, and work underneath. You just got so many things. I just feel that Baker's in a much better place and I'm, I'm looking for Beckham to fit in and to be, you know, not like it was in Dallas where he just every plays making a game changing play. Sure. But if he can make that one play that changes the momentum or break away, that can that can be so much more. Last year the the Chiefs sat back because they didn't they knew they didn't have a guy that could get behind them. If that's all he did Sunday or Schwartz, that's all he did it will open up underneath for the tight ends and Landry and the backs and so forth. So I, yeah, I expect them to attack and be aggressive. I, I like mean, it. Playing the chiefs super bowl last two years. I think the Browns will go in there thinking we have nothing to lose. Let's Lucy, just throw, let's just go for it. So right, Fred. 
You're so yeah, right. And they absolutely, and we've said this, you know, for a long time, they absolutely have the talent to go in there and win, but that doesn't always mean you come out with a W. So we're going to say sure. again, and we'll say it multiple times before Sunday again on these airwaves and on print on the OBR, pay more attention to how they play than whatever the final results are. Cause if they go in and play well, and just come out on the wrong end of a 37-34 or, you know, 31-28, yeah. but they played really well, that is far more important than the one L, okay? Now, if they go in there and get their doors blown off, which I don't expect, that's a different story. But they absolutely have the talent and the coaching and the cohesion and the vision and the, all those buzzwords. They have everything they need to go in there and win in one of the toughest places in the NFL to come out with a visiting W. So, just that in and of itself is exciting. Just that in and of itself is exciting. We got a question uh, from uh, uh, John Smith United. Uh, for a week during training camp, the local reporters, of which I, I'm pretty sure you are one, Fred, uh, said that Garrett and Clowney were unstoppable. How do you feel about the D-line, including the law office of Jackson and McDowell? Which I like that, by the way. I love they, that. They sound like a billboard in Vegas. You know, we can, yes. we, can, we can give you an annulment if you married a waitress at a drive through you know, so – what, do you, what, what are your thoughts on the D-line heading into this game, Fred? Well, because, you know, Garrett and Clowney were out so much, you know, Garrett with a hamstring and Clowney with probably something similar. Didn't really get to see him do much in real live action, you know, right. against the Giants in practice, or they didn't do that. I did see, yeah, early on, Again, before they really, they never hit anyway, but one day Clowney would have had four or five sacks if it was a real, I mean, if that was, if they were going, he ran by Baker and I didn't know if it was, you know, the, the offensive lineman that was getting beat. Conklin was on a swivel that day, but I think it bodes well. I mean, I think that's, that's where it starts is, is if Clowney and Garrett can, can and the two guys in the middle, whoever it is, if it's McDowell and Jackson, if it's Billings, if it's Elliott, whoever's out there, if they can push the pocket with four guys and you can have seven guys back, I think that that will be great. I do expect Joe Woods to send, you know, some blitz and some pressure, right? You know, against Mahomes and try to just make him throw it before he wants to, but. Yeah, I, I I'm a I thought last year to be honest, I was very disappointed when when Olivier Vernon was paired up with Garrett. I really thought Vernon was gonna really have a big year. And he had nine sacks and it looks good, but it's almost like the Edwin Encarnacion, you know, had you look at the end of the year and he has 35, 40 home runs every year, and he gets a lot of his stuff when it doesn't matter, you know, like Sure. I remember they beat down eight to nothing, hit a grand slam in the ninth. You know, it's like, where were you when they needed the big one? But <laughs> Vernon had that one game, but really I'm waiting for somebody and it could be Tack McKinley. Yeah. It could be Clowney. Somebody to really take advantage of those double teams yes. on the other side. And yes. maybe they'll have to start double teaming McDowell or, or Jackson Ooh. or somewhere. Somebody's got to, you know, take advantage of that. And I just really felt like they haven't really had a dominant pass rusher opposite Miles Garrett, somebody that you would think could really pick up the slack and, and do that. So, you know, that 
don't get me wrong, Vernon, I think, yes. was good, but I don't think he just – you just didn't see him take over a game. I, ironically, that three-sack game was a game Garrett didn't play. You thought that would be the game he wouldn't be any good because they'll be double-teaming him. Right. He was all over the place. But right. um, I'm looking for that from somebody, Clowney or McKinley, somebody, you know, to really get that pressure on the outside. They need it. Here's a good point here. Uh, Tampa Bay proved that in the Super Bowl, right, Steve? That's absolutely the key. If you can do it, especially with against a team like the Chiefs and similar to the Browns now, uh, they've got so many weapons in Kansas City, so many receiving weapons. If you have to send five or six to get to Mahomes, somebody's going to lose their one-on-one. They're, they're just that good. But if you can get that front four, if your front – let's say your third and obvious passing situation is the front four crosses uh, – uh, uh, Clowney, um, McDowell, uh, Malik Jackson, and, and Miles, or Tack is in there somewhere, or you right. know, it doesn't, whatever. If those four can consistently get to 15 and knock him off his spot, not that that always guarantees anything against Mahomes, he's a freaking magician out there. But if those four can consistently get him to move from his spot, then you're dropping seven. And that's a such a huge difference because they have the coverage unit now between the safeties and the cornerback unit uh, with Greg Newsom earning the starting job today. And even JOK is, is a, a super upgrade in coverage on the second level of the defense. Then I think if you can, if you can get home consistently with four, your chances go up. I think they double actually to beat a team like Kansas city. It doesn't guarantee anything because if we all remember he was under duress all freaking night, and Mahomes still almost won that Super Bowl. So he's yeah. that good. But it does yeah. increase your chances tremendously if you can get home with four on a regular basis. Well, and in addition, it's not just the Chiefs. I mean, the rest of your schedule. Oh, if, sure. If you're playing a team that's not nearly as good as the Chiefs, and those four guys can put the – and you don't have to rely on the gadget plays on defense and the blitzing and different things – then when you do it, it's even all the more effective. But yeah. that's why the defensive line to me is is so key. I mean, had a big question when Sheldon Richardson was was gone, and I'm anxious to see in the middle there what how Jackson and Billings and Elliott and and maybe even Sheldon Day and Malik McDowell, you know, how that rotation pans out and if they can get that pressure inside and stop the run and set up the pass and get after the quarterback would be a recipe for success. Here's something I've seen going around social media. I know what I think, but I'm going to throw it to you, um, uh, Fred. A question here from Mabos, uh, or maybe it's pronounced Buinka. I'm not sure. Uh, do you think there's any legitimacy to the idea of withholding something in the game plan because we would likely need to beat the Chiefs at some point in the AFC playoffs? Hmm. Your thoughts, Fred? Well, as far as when you're playing September 12th, and you wouldn't play till January sometime. Um, I think there's something to be said, but it's going to be a completely different team from September to January. You got 10, 11, 12. You know, you're talking three, four months difference. Yeah. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be different players emerge that played in the first game that that aren't around then. I really don't know if they'll be that elaborate or hold something back for that down the road, but they will come up with a different idea, you know, and if they play him again. And with that being said, if you're going to, if the chiefs are the obstacle, the number one obstacle to get to the Super Bowl, 
and you only could win one game, I'd much rather win the one in January than the one in September, you know? And so, you know how tough it is to sweep a team. We know that in the division, you know, many times you, you, you know, you split at best. And so, you know, looking at the, the chiefs, you know, that's, that's where I just want them to have a good showing. I'm not going to put the, a lot of stock in that, but I don't think they're going to hold back something thinking, because you start thinking that way and you never get, you know, to right. <laughs> the January playoffs. And you can't just assume that you got to, you got to win games. And if you could win against the chiefs this week, that would give you a big jump start on the playoff trek because you're just looking to knock off. You, you, you're probably not counting when it, what it'll take to win the division, but if you could put, 12 notches in your belt, you got to feel pretty good that you're going to be in the playoffs in January. Plus, I mean, you know, it, let's not discount the fact that a head-to-head win would be a huge tiebreaker if we're fighting for a bye, if, you know, if they have that That's good true. of a season. So that would be a thing. But I, I'm with you, Fred. I, if they were playing them week 15, maybe. Uh, now it also depends on what you're talking about. You're talking about holding back a gadget play or are you talking about holding back something key to your offense? If you're talking about a gadget play, yeah, they might. They might not, you know, a specific goal line formation or something like that, you know, that they, they might hold that back. Uh, but as far as something that's going to be key to your offense, there's no sense in doing that because, like you said, Fred, it's four months or five, however long it is, until they might play them again. And second, you're probably going to reveal it at some point in the next 16 weeks anyway. I mean, what are you going to hide something for the whole year? Uh, that's a key part of your offense that that doesn't seem to make any sense. I mean, no, I could be wrong. I'm not an NFL coach and Kevin Stefanski is a lot smarter than me when yes. it comes to football. But my, my thought is I really don't see that as a concern when you're playing a team week one. Now last year they did it. Somebody said in the chat uh, with the Steelers, but that was because they knew they were going to play them back, literally back to back. That's a totally different story than uh, what we're talking about doing here. So I'm with you on this one. Totally Fred. Yeah, that Steelers game in the the last regular season, Pittsburgh rested most of their starters. And you could almost tell the Browns knew they had to win, but they just kind of – it was like the race when you know you're faster than the other guys. They had more talent out there because Pittsburgh was resting most. Of, and it was like they were looking over their shoulder and just running just fast enough to win, you know, and just <laughs> staying ahead, just doing enough to win without showing – you know, anything. So, right. Yeah. Question here from uh, our good friend, Shruni. Shruni, always in the chat. Uh, and yes. Always Love Shruni. Thank, thank you for doing that. Is OBJ Love enough to loosen up the Chiefs D? My thought is it's not just him. Uh, he, uh, if he is Odell, that we all remember, the highlight reel Odell, then yes, he by himself would be enough to loosen up just about anybody. But you throw him in there with DPJ in his second year, getting a full off season. He's faster, he's quicker. Anthony Schwartz is not going to play a ton of snaps, but 4-2 is legit. Demetric Felton can threaten you deep. They have so many more opportunities. They have multiple guys that can threaten the Chiefs in that deep portion of the field, which is the key. Because, um, again, we tried to watch it last night with Jake, and the video didn't cooperate. But the Chiefs had nine guys within three yards of the line of scrimmage almost the whole game because they had zero fear of anybody beating them over the top. This year we've got multiple options that can beat them over the top. So, yeah, I think – I think he is part of the group that will loosen up the Chiefs defense. What do you think, Fred? Well, absolutely. I mean, one one OBJ can do it. I mean, you saw what he did against the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk about yeah. gadget plays. That was like the fifth game of the year, and they right. were running 
Landry halfback or wide receiver pass and they reverse all that kind of stuff. So I don't think they necessarily hold things back, but no, just what you said, Donovan Peoples Jones, I don't know what his 40 time was um, at the combine comparatively, right. but I tell you, the guy can fly. He's right. a long strider and maybe his time in the might not be as quick because he is a much longer stride, right. but I think he can stretch the field. And I think that Schwartz can stretch the field. So if you send one or two of them guys on opposite sides and just said, go to the end zone, they got to, they got to pick what they're going to do. Are they going to send single yeah. coverage with both of them or, or double team both of them or, and then you got all them guys underneath. And, right. and so I think that's the whole, the big takeaway from the chiefs game last year on both sides, of the ball speed kills. And they went out and added speed with Schwartz, the second season with people's Jones and the return of Beckham Felton to some extent as well. But then on the defense, you know, they, they went crazy getting, you know, they had visions. I think Andrew Barry had visions all off season of seeing Chad Henney run for, you know, 48 year old Chad Henney scrambling <laughs> on third and 16 for uh. 15 yards. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think OBJ Kinnan itself, who, who has a guy, a weapon like that, themselves and you got two other guys that that can legitimately take the top off too on this right. in this wide receiver court right absolutely well fred uh we we kept you a little longer than than we're used to but we just enjoy we having all you. the time I, think, I know i think he expects it from us at this point we say 20 minutes and he goes <laughs> yeah uh-huh right sure. yeah okay guys <laughs> well i go on over time yeah. two times <laughs> double time I hope Barry McBride's watching. I hope you're watching, boss man. <laughs> well, Fred, we, uh, I know you'll be back tomorrow uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern for uh, – or no, are you off tomorrow, right, for OBR Weekly? Or are you well, gonna... we're, still, we're seeing how that plays out. Okay, Got gotcha. to go out of town for a yeah, funeral, my fault. Uh, immediate family death, but planning to work it out where I can get on you know, from 7 to 8 tomorrow night. But okay, great. If not, uh, I'm sure you we'll know. See you over the weekend, then. Yeah, we'll see you over Pre-game, the weekend. Post game. Yep, out at Old River. Anybody in Cleveland area, come out and meet us in person. We're gonna, we're gonna be doing it. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Fred, the legend. The legend. Himself, enjoy the game this weekend, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you to all you people watching. I appreciate the comments. All right. Appreciate you, Fred. Great, Fred. Greet them, everyone. Whew, I like love Fred, Fred said, so much. He will be out with some, uh, knock on wood. The plan is yeah. he, he will be out with Barry at Old River Tap and Social, uh, which is in Rocky River on Detroit Road. Live pregame, live postgame uh, broadcasting from, uh, I think, 2.30 is when we're starting. I think we're doing a two-hour pregame this week. So if you happen yes. to be in the area, um, hopefully you've gotten your shots and then you head out and, uh, you can go meet, you see the web dork live. You can meet the legend live. We'll be doing the show live from there. The rest of us will be up, you know, on the screen, which is you know, actually the better way to meet us is, is yep. virtually, but, uh, Fred and Fred and Barry will be out there, uh, at old river. It's going to be a lot of fun. Wish, wish I could join them. Uh, I would, I would, I would love to go. Uh, quick shout outs before we bring in our uh, teammate, Jake Burns, uh, Florida dog. Thank you for that follow 70s child. Thank you for that 
Prime sub, very much appreciated. Uh, Cleveland Rocks, thank you for that resub on the Twitch Prime. That is your two-month sub. Uh, defense will take time to gel. I kind of tend to agree with you, but I think we're going to get there. Uh, Joe Cleveland, thank you very much for those 100 bits. Eric Grover, thank you very much for that resub on the Twitch Prime as well. That's good for two months. Thank you very much. Anita Bonita, thank you very much for that follow. And our own awesome producer for the OBR, Ian Bits, thank you so much for those two gifted tier one subs of the OVR Twitch community. And uh, real quick, uh, got those shout outs out of the way. Guys, if you did subscribe on using using the Twitch Prime last month when in July when we launched, those expire every 30 days and they don't auto renew. So if you'd like to subscribe to us a free again, you have to do that manually. You just go click subscribe, make sure on a browser on your mobile or, or, or computer and uh click subscribe then subscribe for free i uh, don't do not have to connect your twitch prime again you already did that but just in case because i had a few people asking about that on twitter and uh, just to answer that uh i uh, appreciate you guys but mostly cheers steven is already married to cheer. yeah that's very true that's very true and uh guys one more thing i got one more thing to get out of the way we do have a giveaway going over 60 people have entered already it's freaking awesome we are giving away two tickets to the browns home opener on september 19th against the Houston Texans. I myself will be flying from Vegas to Cleveland to attend that game. It's going to be my first game attended in years. I'm very excited. I'm taking my dad. It's going to be a lot, of, lot, a lot of fun. Uh, to enter the giveaway, you just use, use the command ticket or enter. That's exclamation point ticket or exclamation point enter to enter yourself into the giveaway tonight at 8.45 p.m. on tonight's show. We're giving away two tickets to the Browns home opener against the Texans. And real quick, uh, as we said at the top of the hour, I know we've got a lot of people that have joined us since then. Um, you are not required to subscribe to win the giveaway. You just have to be watching and in the chat. you got to be following and, and watching in the chat. But if you are subscribed to our Twitch, it does increase your chances. You get a better, yes. you get better odds. So if you, And if you do it for free... Uh, that's great. But even if you're not, if you if you don't have Amazon Prime for three ninety nine, because since it's September, twenty uh, percent off, you can get a uh, a subscription for under four bucks here, and that gets you increased odds not only for tonight's giveaway, but for every giveaway that we do all month and beyond if you renew. So basically, it's a four dollar raffle ticket, but yeah. it's not really not really a raffle. If the <laughs> FBI is watching, I want to make yeah. that clear. But in <laughs> essence. It's a $4 raffle ticket for all of the giveaways that we're going to be having come tickets, merchandise, yes. you know, all that stuff. It, it increases your odds for all of that. So. Yeah. A couple in everything Steven just said, dead on accurate. A um, couple questions in the chat. Did I enter? If you do the command, you get that failed to enter giveaway too many tickets. That means you're good. You've entered. You're good to go. Uh, Cause it's one entry per person. So, right. um, but yeah, you should be, you are good to go. We have, geez, how many people we have entered now? 65 entered let's go i'm excited all right we were ready to bring uh the great let's bring him in. In. i like this guy he's a very he's a very sweet yeah. fellow and he knows football i yeah. this guy knows so much more about football than i do and it's, it's but it's okay i know more about horror movies than him but that's about it mm. <laughs> jake burns the breakdown film breakdown analyst for the obr our friend our teammate what's going on jake can you guys hear me I sure yes. can, and you right. you sound you make, sound lovely, my make, friend. Make sure everyone else can hear me. I think I think this thing can the working. stream can the stream hear Jake? All right, I think we're I think we're good. Probably, yeah, they I think they can don't hear you. Want to, but yeah, they can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's up, guys? Just been watching your show Game back here. Yeah. You know? 
Uh, real, real quick, uh, let's start off with uh, your thoughts on uh, uh, practice this week. I know we can uh, we can tell people because we this just came out just a, an hour or so ago. Uh, the four protected players you're allowed to protect four every week on the practice squad. The, the Browns named their four. They protected Jamarcus Bradley, uh, mm. quarterback Nick Mullins, uh, mm. the new kicker Chris, and uh, Afadi Odenabo, which who I know Jake, you and I were really excited about. They, those are the four they protected. That means they cannot be claimed uh, by another team. You can protect four people uh, every single week that the other teams can't scoop you up. Uh, now, once the season starts, uh, from the end of I think from Monday until Tuesday at four, you can't protect anybody. That's just basically a you know a land rush. Uh, but yeah. starting Tuesday, I think it's Tuesday at four. I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, but then you, then you can protect them. So that's who the Browns named as their four protected player. Your thoughts on those guys? Any any of those surprise you, uh, Jake? Well, they're not going to get Garrett Gilberted again, right? They're not going to lose yeah. their quarterback <laughs> right. the squad. Um, I thought it was a little premature when the first wave came out about, you know, that the Browns weren't going to actually protect anybody. It's just a matter of the information reaching the right. people sure. that actually cover it, right? You know, like there's no mandate that you have to send your information to this guy on, on, uh, on Twitter, right? Like you don't, right. You don't have to do that. So information eventually gets out they do like keeping guys around they are going to take advantage of a rule where they can protect guys from being claimed so jamarcus bradley probably the one that's most surprising to me but they they want to keep a wide receiver around now eventually that could become davion davis i don't know we'll see how that shakes out in a couple weeks maybe they're able to uh to let him away and then get him back on the practice squad i don't know that's a that's a bit of conjecture on my part but um they, they want to keep a wide receiver around. They, and they like Jamarcus. He's got inside-outside flexibility. I was not surprised by that. Uh, I do think keeping yeah keeping Odenabos around is – I said it on, on social. Like, I don't – that guy's good. He can rush the passer. He is already their third – tack, fine. He's like their, their 3B of most of – like, talented pass rusher I, he had 42 pressures last year he has a, an effective ghost technique he can he can bull rush you he can dip on i don't know what's going on like i the giants kind of had him as their three four hybrid outside backer that would walk up on the edge uh, i i don't know man i don't know why they didn't keep him uh, i don't know why the vikings didn't bring him back because i talked to some people that cover the vikings and they're like hey man it doesn't make any sense to us so there's no known reason this guy didn't a get signed didn't B get signed uh, by a team that wanted to make him an active part of their roster because his preseason tape was still good. So right. I don't really understand it from any angle I look at it other than you could just kind of go off and start doing conspiracy theories on some things that I'm not going to get into. But I'm happy he's a Cleveland Brown again because I was so bummed to see him, you know, seven yeah. sacks in 2019 in Minnesota after, you know, his yeah. stop in Cleveland where they could have kept him around then again in 2020 with the 42 pressures. Like he's not a really great rundown player, but when you know, it's right. going to be second and long, or you got a team down 14 points, you can put him on the field and feel okay about it. So I think he's going to be an active player at some point. Like I do, I don't really understand how he's here and uh, that, that I guess I'm just not going to question it too much. I'm just really happy that they're able to have him here and be a part of this thing. They're obviously going to protect the kicker, uh, they're, they're, they're never going to let themselves be exposed to not having a kicker or punter all of a sudden on a game day. You know, most kickers can toss a ball up and still punt it decently. You know, hell, I wouldn't be surprised mm -hmm. if Odell could probably punt pretty well. He's pretty good at a whole bunch of random things. So, uh, but anyway, they're going to protect the kicker and then, and then they like Nick Mullins uh, enough to protect him too. So, uh, they're going to, they're going to try to keep him right again. And he's got extensive Shanahan experience, which is not the same 
it's close. It's close, but it's the same footwork, a lot of the same principles right. and all of that. So yeah, they're going to protect some of those guys. And it's a good practice squad, I think. And it's, it's got like 11 guys that are very familiar through training camp or all, all ultimately years now of being with the Browns, you know, like that's what you want is your practice squad guys to have stuck around for a couple of years. Right. So uh, yeah, they, they're able to keep those a, lar- a large portion of the practice squad as guys who are familiar with the offense or defense, you know, like having a guy who can come uh, right away and play on the tight end position, Jordan Franks, a wide receiver who can play right away, Jamarcus Bradley, a lineman who can play right away, you know, and then also be able to plug and play a safety like Javante Moffitt or a corner like they I mean, I think corner and O-line, they kind of added some guys late, but it's it's a good group. And I like the guys that they added that weren't a, that weren't necessarily around. Uh, because uh, they're they're skilled. And I think if you're skilled, you have a chance to eventually find the 53. Yeah, I do think Adenabo lands on the 53 at some point. I don't know if it'll be right away. I think they probably want to sharpen him up on what what they're going to want him to do because he's never played for Joe Woods. So there's going to be like, hey, this is what we teach as far as the verbiage of what you're supposed to do and this scenario, that scenario. But by week five, like I expect that guy to be playing. So... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Not, not one bit. So, yeah. Yeah. I think something you said earlier, cause I, I dug around too, cause I was surprised uh, as you were, what, you know, what is wrong? What's going on? Is he hurt? Is, is something going on? I don't know. And I saw some giants people and even a few Vikings people, but more the giants people saying he can't defend the run. He can't defend the run. Now that's overreaction to preseason stuff in my opinion, but even front versus odd front, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong. I think a guy who's, 90% pass rush and maybe not the best defender is probably better uh, for this kind of system, especially as a depth option. He's like you said, he's your third or fourth edge. He's not going to be playing a lot of goal line situations. He's going to be in there in third and eight plus, or like you said, when they're up 14, I think, I think his fit here might be a little better. Is that, uh, yeah, is that he's reasonable? not going to, he's not a starter, man. Like they're going to put him in when he can play to his strengths. He's, he's, We'll see what they ultimately do with him, whether they want to put him at strong or weak, but I don't have any issue with how he plays the run to the point that he's like some absolute liability in the run game. Right. It's not the strength of how he plays, but he's fine, right? And if he's your third or fourth rotational edge, like that's great. I have no issue with that. And his you know, somebody just put there in the in the chat, his his celebration is right Ex-caliber. up there. Is right up there with uh with the with the red carpet walk, and it's right up there with the Chiefs uh, Chief Slam or whatever, man. Like he's got a great celebration too. So I listen as far as the sixteen guys go in the practice squad, he's the one guy that I feel like is going to definitely find the roster at some point. When I'm not, I'm talking all things stay equal. Like nobody gets injured. Obviously some injuries or COVID situations arise. Some people are going to come up and go down, but like, I think he's good enough that he'll find it organically. So uh, I like it. I just really like it. And it still doesn't make sense for me why he was not signed to be on an active roster somewhere else. So, but whatever NFL is weird like that sometimes. Well, maybe they got sick of trying to pronounce his name. I don't know. I know Fred, what, what what did Fred call the practice squad guy or something? Yeah. What did he call? It's actually easier to pronounce yeah. than you think it is. It it's is just a Denebo. It's it's uh, uh, he's uh, a center. He's a he's a circle guy, right? I think he's yeah. a he's a he's an Ohio dude. Uh, played his high school ball in Ohio. Went to That's Northwestern awesome. and. Yeah, it was a seventh round pick, so yeah. Now, we should say uh, Doug Deacon might actually die in the booth if he if if yeah, has a snack trying uh, a sack trying to uh, pronounce his name. But uh, other than that, it, <laughs> it's not that hard. Uh, to figure Odenabo. it out. 
So let's let's get uh, let's. I see there's some good questions in there. Yeah, pull some uh, up, Steve. Yeah, um, and uh, I know you wanted to talk about uh, the game coming up this week. That's it. Everybody, uh, everybody wants to talk about. Here's a yeah. good question from Smoking Aces. Yep. What do you expect to see in Dime? Curious how greedy and Delpit might be used. Uh, just general thoughts on the secondary, I guess. Well, it depends. <laughs> it's going to depend on how comfortable they are playing some of those guys, right? Like we know that they announced yes. Greg Newsom's going to start opposite uh, Denzel, but does that mean that if they do want to go four corner dime, that he doesn't bump inside and greedy comes on the field? Like there's some of that involved that could happen. How healthy is Delpit? Like I, I don't know. Like I, I think many, many times I have gone into uh, these games, you know, seeing a guy participate in a limited form in practice and expecting him to play and then they're game day inactive. So I don't want to sit here and tell you guys like, hey man, it's going to be great. They're going to run three safety looks and three three safety, three corner looks. Like I don't know. I got to see who's active. This is the big thing cuz I've had I've been on a couple Kansas City podcasts and I've done a radio bit too. Like everyone wants to know that exact answer. Like what are they going to do defensively? I don't know. I'll know when you know. I'm going to watch the game. We don't have I didn't go to training camp and these guys were all playing. Well, you know, like they weren't all out there together collectively at all. So none of us know. None of the beat writers know who were there every single day. I don't have any clue. I can guess. Like I think they could play a four corner two safety look. I think they could play a big nickel and play a three safety two corner look, play a three and three like a like a you know, like essentially a dime set but with three safeties and three corners involved there like they could get really creative but it's a matter of you know the old phrase comes into play guys which is like it's not what your coaches know or what fun things they want to draw up on the board it's what your players know through them right doesn't matter if you can answer every single whiteboard trivia question as a coach if your players don't know it then you're screwed your players are the ones who have to perform it so we'll see how comfortable joe woods is with the guys he has right like if he's yeah. if the if the preparation the mental preparation has been there for some of these guys to feel comfortable throwing them out there you're not throwing them out there against the Texans quite yet you're throwing them out there against the team we're watching on screen here who can run like 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 the wind man like you get yourself in one wrong step one wrong position and they're going to expose you so there's one of two ways this could go there's there's they could be extreme and they were if you go by data and, and and there's some really intelligent folks who have put some graphs out uh who have have studied this stuff they gather data either sports info solutions or pro football focus i cannot remember which one i think it was a pff study uh that, that indicated the different coverages right that have been in the preseason uh, what teams have shown diversity in coverage and the browns were dead last they have been so vanilla cover three sprinkled in a little bit of cover four but they have been generic as hell and there's like two trains of thought here. They could be doing that because they don't have the guys. They weren't all playing in the preseason. So why would we throw a bunch of hard coverages at our young guys? Let's just have them play super simple and then not give away anything for the regular season. Or there's the flip side of it too, which is they could be hiding a whole bunch of things they have up their sleeve, right? They have all these they have all these things they want to do and they don't want to expose it and they want to confuse Kansas City on the fly. So they could do that or they could be very, you know, very vanilla with their starters in this first week one game because the last thing you want to do is say, hey, man, we're going to play cover nine to trips and it's going to be great. We're going to trap them on anything they throw flat. Oh, and then somebody screws it up and then there's somebody running down the sideline on a wheel route uncovered. So you want to play the coverages that are the best for everybody knowing what the heck they're doing all the time. You know, because you can be as complex as you want, but if a couple guys screw it up, 
then that doesn't matter. You look like fools on the field. So we'll see what they do. I'll be as, as you know, kind of cued into focusing on the secondary personnel and what they're trying yeah. to do as I can. It's a TV view, so you can't really always see what's going on in the back portion of the field. You know, like we're watching here, they zoom in on the line and the quarterback, so who knows what on earth is going on downfield. We'll try sure. our best to figure that out for you guys, but – uh, they'll, they, I would expect my gut tells me they're going to be relatively generic and let their guys go out and play without thinking a ton. I do think you'll see more man to man, uh, try to, cause you know, teaching man to man is not that hard, you know, teaching cover three sky is a little bit more difficult than teaching two man, you know, where you have you, Hey, you three here are covering these three, you you two safeties at the back end are, are in deep support coverage. Uh, so you'll see probably an uptick in in chat, what I call challenge coverages, getting up in their face, right, and uh, making them think about things and making them create separation. Because last year in this playoff game here in front of us, they were they were pretty generic. They played in a way of don't get beat deep and make Kansas City nickel and dime you down the field, which, as we know, is an okay philosophy until Kansas City is really good at also just nickel and diming you down the field. So we'll see. You know, we'll see what, what the the goal should be is challenge those three brand new NFL uh, offensive linemen that Kansas city is going to put out there and doing that, you have to play some coverage, right? You have to play it. You have to walk down their face. You got to challenge them, try to confuse the quarterback and make Pat hold on to the ball for a couple extra seconds to get home and get a sack, create a turnover, throw a bad throw, whatever. So um, listen, moral of the story on defense is I don't know. And that's a terrible analyst answer, but we don't know. I don't know what yeah. they're going to do yet. We'll figure it out on the fly this year. Uh, because it's not like Joe's not a new DC, but it was no secret that he did not have the personnel to run what he wanted to right. run last year. And we don't have any uh, appetizer based in, in uh, ideas what he's going to do because he hasn't he hasn't had his guys in the preseason quite yet. Now he finally like I always make this joke. I think I made it a couple times this week. It's it's quite the miracle when everybody's healthy week one like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like. Yeah, it's yeah. like when you back when you used to play football, everyone's hurt in training camp. And then week one's here and it's like, ah, oh, you know, that hamstring feels a little better than it used to, you mm -hmm. know, just the other day. So I don't know. It, they're all healthy. It appears healthy. And we'll see. We'll see what they do when they get all those guys out there playing. But they need to get on the field together to figure it out. And I'm sure that's a, a huge part of the mental preparation that's been going on for weeks. And now if they can get all of them on the field, then uh, they're hammering all of the mental reps as possible going against the scout team this week because they won't they won't practice against their offense anymore they don't care they don't give a crap about what the browns offense is doing they care about getting uh scouting looks from the scout team about what kansas city is going to do because it's a completely different version of football that they play offensively in kansas city so uh yeah that's my tangent on uh, what they're going to do, which is no real answer, but uh, that, there's some was, thought process well, stuff in there. Let, it was let beautiful. Me real quick, Steve. Up with this, though. Uh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Jake, um, we don't know what they're going to do, but part of that is they have so many more options that they could do this year. That video that we yes. just saw, we've been talking extensively about how the Browns offense has more weapons to attack Kansas city. You could see it in that video that we just showed. They had nine people within three yards of the line of scrimmage on almost every snap. We have not spent a lot of time on the defensive side. You could see the Browns in that video. And we all remember the game. Like you said, they simply didn't have the personnel. The, the only guy they thought they could even kind of count on was Denzel. And he was coming off COVID and was, 
clearly not himself, clearly mm-hmm. winded. So they had no choice but to play back and hope the Chiefs made some mistakes in front of them. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, part of uh, we don't know is a good we don't know because they could do yeah. six or seven different things that they simply didn't have at their disposal when they went to Airhead in January. Am I correct in thinking that? Yeah, well, there's there's a million percent personnel that allows them to do that now no doubt right. Steve it's just a matter of you know remember last year when we would watch some of the early games in the season and Anderson Dayhill was running around like a chicken with his head cut off in the secondary mm-hmm. so that's Poor the guy. stuff you don't want to see right like you don't right. want to see them miscommunicating pre-snap a bunch of guys jumping around going crazy right. so yeah I mean the, the the thing that gives me a bit of uh, comfort Steve and, and Andy is that John Johnson's a super cerebral player in the secondary. Mm. I think he's going to be able to do whatever it takes to get his guys in the right spot ahead of the game so that they know where they're supposed to be. And from all accounts, Anthony Walker is the same second level player who is the ultimate. uh, And I had a, I had a person DM me on Twitter talking about like, why can't Anthony Walker take a Demario Davis like mid career leap? And I'm like, you know, that's not the worst thing in the world to think because this guy is like, this the sharpest linebacker you would ever meet according to a lot of people you know as far Mm -hmm. as a preparation understanding uh that sort of stuff so it kind of got me a little excited that that could happen because demario davis was a little bit of an afterthought like the browns traded him away for calvin Pryor for nothing like that was just a throwaway deal that they ended up cutting Pryor. like there's no doubt that that sometimes guys get more exposure to, to situations and uh, become better players. And I think that that could happen. But anyway, like those guys, you want to see them communicating and putting themselves in the right spot. I don't so much care in week one, how creative they get, because there's no reason to think that they should get creative. They have not had the time together yet. They could, ha- it's a 17 week season. There's so much time, you know, right. like, but, but to your, to your point, your question, Steve, like, they could, and and there's no reason they haven't been all sitting around in these defensive meetings and position group meetings and talking about how they do that, even though they're not practicing it. Ron, Ronnie Harrison knows how to play NFL football games. You know, John right. Johnson knows how to play NFL football games. Denzel, these guys know how to play. So it's just it's just whether they they feel comfortable calling it. You know, the Chiefs also you got to see how the Chiefs are going to play too. You know, that's a thing. You know, I saw some goofy nonsense today about uh, Travis Kelsey calling the four tight end personnel group, the T-Rex package. And I right. said, hey, run that all game. Like, run yeah. it. Don't put Tyreek on the field or Hardman or any of these. Just run that, dude. I bet you guys Please. can't do that. Yeah, like, whatever. If anytime – I have a philosophy, man. Like, anytime Travis uh, – or sorry, anytime Pat Mahomes hands it off, automatic win for your defense. Like, yeah, anytime right? he's not throwing it downfield, automatic win. Anytime they want to put three tight ends on the field in Kansas City, automatic win. Oh. Like – they can do that crap all they want. I don't care. But that's a little bit of the philosophy last year, which could parlay into their philosophy this year, which is let them beat themselves. You guys have to execute flawlessly for 12 plays. We'd rather you execute flawlessly for 12 plays than try to get really funky and and and, and be beat on two plays, right? Like a blown right. coverage or someone's out of position, whatever. We would rather try to avoid that. Now, the way Tampa Bay was able to do that is is a mixture of things, right? Like they were able to generate pressure. They trusted that the defensive line was was good enough that not that not that the Browns defensive line is less talented than what Tampa Bay put out there in the Super Bowl because they didn't have Vita Vea. They were missing some pieces, but the Chiefs offensive line was so bad that you could really actually get up and pressure them without fear of, hey. 
to, you know, pack and hold on to this ball for three and a half seconds and beat man coverage. So that's what the Browns are going to have to ask themselves this week, right? Like if we are going to be willing to walk Greg and walk Greedy and walk Troy and walk Denzel down and get in their face, really mug these SOBs, do we trust that Miles, Jadevian, Malik, Malik times two, yeah. Jordan Elliott can get home? Because if you don't think they can get home and you're asking your guys to play man coverage for three and a half, four seconds, or your rush lane discipline isn't good enough to box Pat in the pocket and he gets out of the pocket where we all know he is a maniac on sidearm weird delivery throws, he'll throw it, he'll throw it back across the field 60 yards like that's the defensive game plan that they have to, to to ask themselves. We can get aggressive, but if we get aggressive, are we exposing ourselves to situations that are right. going to hurt our secondary? Or is this aggressiveness going to help our front four get that extra half second they need? So there's a sure. cat and mouse game that's going mm -hmm. on between Joe Woods and his coaching staff about what they can do and what they can't do and what they trust and what they don't trust. To me, if you guys are seeking like how I would go about it, I'd be aggressive from the jump. Like start that way. S sh Lucas Niang, show me you can handle one on one with Jadavion right. Clowney or Miles Garrett. I Trey Smith, you're a talented dude, but show me you can handle consistently dropping back and ha handling, you know, uh, Malik Jackson pressure. You're like that, that, that. I need to see it. I would challenge him at first. Now, if you get beat, you give up an early touchdown. Something happens. Maybe you adjust course on the fly. But like. Don't go in there thinking that they're better than you. Like they put their pants on right. left leg, right leg, just like you do. You can go there and beat them, but you can't do it with your tail tucked between your legs. So I would go there with that mindset. You can adjust on the fly and play more vanilla zone coverages and make them uh, you know, milk their way down the field. Because if you go back and watch that game last year, the Chiefs did beat themselves a couple times. Like they gave away a couple, you know, they get one block in the back penalty or one. Uh, negative play, and all of a sudden you got a real chance. You know, the Chiefs convert third and 16 like nobody else, and it'll just make you so mad. But if you do get them to do enough of that stuff, and it happened a little bit last year, then you can keep yourself in the game, and you're not going to win this game 22-19. You're going to win at 38-35. Like, right. they're going to score. Can you score enough to match them? So I'm sure we're going to talk offense, but, like, you can't. you just can't go there afraid. And I think if you go there afraid of giving up things like, uh, and, and not trying to take advantage of your personnel, then you, you can run into some issues. But tracking guys, tracking how Joe Woods' strategy in this game ends up you know, going one way or the other is going to be really fun to see because he's going to finally have the full arsenal of who he has uh, at, the, at, the, at the roster structure you know, baseline. That'll be fun to look into. And I will just make one disclaimer before I shut up. Just don't overreact. It's one week. Don't Bingo. overreact to it. All of the Grant Delpit's <laughs> never seen an NFL field at all. Yes. You know, Greg Newsom has only seen moderate preseason action. There's a yeah. lot of gelling that's going to happen over the course of 17 weeks. So like peaking in week one does not mean a thing. Peaking in week 17 and beyond is what you want. So let's just uh, let's see what the, there's going to be some trial and error. There's probably going to be some trial and error. Um, so, so don't, you know, don't beat yourself up or fire off those angry tweets or come back in here yeah. on Monday when we do our rewind and yell at me about, uh, how dumb Joe Woods, just calm down. It's, it's a long season. Let's just see him go compete. Absolutely. A couple quick shout outs real quick. Uh, Jay Reinhardt 96. Thank you for gifting those two tier one subs to the OBR Twitch community. M Stanley. Thank you for that follow staying out. 
Thank you for that Twitch Prime sub. Corey Millhouse, thank you for subbing at a tier one for three months in advance. Three months worth of tier one subs. Thank you very much. And Lady Lost Cat, thank you so much for that tier one resub for two months. Thank you very, very much. Go ahead, Steve. I knew you were going to bring something there. Yeah, I, we're about uh, just a little bit more than 15 minutes away from the ticket giveaway, giving away two uh, tickets to the home opener against the corpse of the Houston Texans uh, when they invade uh, First Energy Stadium in a couple of weeks. Uh, you can go there uh, on us. And if, as I've said a couple of times tonight, you do not have to be subscribed to win, but it does increase your odds. So if you subscribe either free via Amazon Prime or 20% off of a paid subscription because it is September uh, for $3.99, that it increases your entry odds not only for tonight, but for every giveaway over the next month and beyond, if you uh, continue your subscription Absolutely. with us, which we think would be great. This is uh, more a question about the season, but I think it pertains to this week, too. I wanted to sort yeah. of tie it in, Jake. Uh, what do we expect out of JOK this season? I have said since the draft, and I said this on the mock draft shows that we did, to the point where you just you were so tired of me saying it, Jake. Um, I think, yes, he can spy the quarterback. He can do all that stuff. But his... A, a huge part of his uh, contribution to this defense is his ability to cover the tight ends in that uh, short to middle range, because we've just been, we've been absolutely murdered by tight ends for two straight decades uh, in Cleveland. And they've got one of the best, if not the best in the league in Kansas city. So am I wrong in thinking that he could, I mean, you're never going to stop Travis Kels. I mean, that's just not going to happen, but he can at least limit him and make him work for stuff. Uh, can he really help in that area come on Sunday? I think if you want to beat him, you better stop him. I, I, I've kind of been all about trying to box him uh, however you can box him. And I, what I mean by that is uh, somebody outside and inside playing him. I would rather single cover other people than let Travis Kelsey go for 150 yards. Like that is who Mahomes loves. He is all about him. And uh, in, in if he can get comfortable throwing to – to, to, to Kelsey over the middle or up the sidelines or whatever, you're in for a long day. So I would do everything I can. And a big part of trying to do some things with him is putting 28 on him. You know, I think Devin White did a nice job in the Super Bowl against him because partly because Pat was pressured, but because he wasn't afraid. He thought, man to man, I can run with this guy. I can cover him. And there's no fear of being beat. And I think he played an aggressive game. And I think JOK is the same type of athlete as Devin White. Like, I think he's got the same sort of coverage flex and the ability to handle space. He's something he did at Notre Dame. I think he's shown a little bit of it in his first three games uh, at the NFL level. And I think he could he could give him, put it this way, he's a body that I would feel comfortable throwing at him. So, you know, you could mix up guys that go at him. You could put Ronnie Harrison down on the in the box and play him. You could put uh, Grant Delpit out there if he's comfortable, he's healthy, all of that. Like John Johnson covered, covered uh, uh, George Kittle so well in the uh, – in what is it, the NFC West? Like he was a matchup nuisance for for George Kittle. We know how good Kittle is, so uh, they could ultimately say, "Hey, we're just gonna we're gonna chuck John Johnson onto him all game and see what happens, mm -hmm. and we're gonna try mm -hmm. to shut him down with this guy we paid big money to and brought here for a reason." So that could be a route they go. As far as the outlook on JOK for the season, they've shown nothing other than the willingness to put him in the box, let him play will, let him play aggressive, let him let him do the things. Uh, make the mistakes. He's going to make some mistakes, but he's also going to make some aggressiveness plays too. Like right. if there's one thing about uh, Jeremiah Usu-Kormo is that he is aggressive to the nth degree. And what I mean by that is once he deciphers what he thinks is going on, 
He's a hundred million percent at that direction and trying to make a play on it. You know, some people kind of question a direction they're going or the route they're taking to the ball carrier. That dude is a to B the urban Meyer phrase, right? What is it? A to B in four to six seconds. Like he is there right now. uh, And he is stronger than his physical frame looks. He plays a more physical brand than he looks, but he also brings the element of quickness too. So I don't think our hopes for him should be like rookie of the year level stuff, but he should have some expectations to positively contribute this year and into the future. I think he is that talented. You know, I think Jeremy Chen was a second round pick last year. Antoine Winfield's a second round pick. Like we obviously thought Grant Delpit was going to be a nice, he's, he's talented enough to do those crazy things, go out and scoop and score a couple touchdowns this year, end up with three or four sacks, end up with a couple interceptions that gets him into the rookie of the year conversation. He's that talented. Should you ever expect that? Probably not, but you know, he's talented enough to do it. So I think they will give him every opportunity to go out and cover challenging players right? Put him on challenging players and then put him in challenging situations because you don't have many guys like 28 on your defense at the second level who are athletic enough to do it. So uh, you should have some solid expectations for him. I'm sure the, the young man has the same expectations you do. He wants to be great and he will, he will play hard. That's above all else. You know, you talk about some guys and maybe they play hard, maybe they don't, or they could anger you. He plays hard and that's all you can really ask. And I'm excited to watch him. Uh, real quick, guys, a little confusion in the chat. Yeah, when when you guys, when you put in the, uh, and when you enter with the command ticket and you get this, that means you're already entered because you get one ticket per person. So don't worry. That doesn't mean you didn't get it. That means you already entered from a time before that you put in the command. So you're good. You're good to go, Stephanie Child. You are you are entered into the giveaway. Just want to clear that up. Sorry, guys. Uh, I, I think, again, this was more of a season-long thing, but I think uh, for – the game against the Chiefs, it's a, it's a very applicable question uh, because they have so many weapons. You and I have talked about it extensively <clears> over, the, <throat> over the summer, with, especially if Odell comes back and is what we all think he's uh, going to be. They have so many different ways to threaten this defense at varying levels and varying quadrants. And ev- all, they're going to make them defend every blade of grass. Now, we know they love their tight ends. A- against a team like the Chiefs, who their uh, their green dot and Willie Gay is on IR. Teron Matthew, we talked about it uh, before you came on, still not out of the protocol. So they're starting to bump up against whether he comes back at all. And if he does come back, is he showing symptoms? We saw what it did to Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward last year firsthand. They are, he, they were, you're simply not the same when you come back from this. He covers a lot of ground and does a lot of things for them on the back end of their defense. You hate to say this because obviously the young man's health is the most important thing, but from a football standpoint, if he comes back and is showing anywhere, do you think they go with more 11 uh, and try to make him and just run him into the ground, I guess? Or, or do you think they stick with what they do? This is what we do best until you, make, until you stop us and make us do something else. Well, I, it's, a, it's a good question. I, I think a lot of people have asked that this offseason about are they going to uptick uh, 11 personnel, right? Personnel. Because they, they have, they have four, I think legitimate receivers. They have two other guys who are rookies that can oh, get out there. Looks like we're uh, losing you, Jake. Hold uh, on one second. We lost you there for a second. Am I back? Am I wrong? Am I right? Am I left? Am I middle? No, now you're, you're frozen on my screen and, uh, you get like a little bit like a robot, uh, getting some interference somehow, some way. I don't know what happened. 
Yeah, why don't you pop out and pop back in, see if that helps there, uh, Jake. Um, oh, Jake is fine. Chad's saying he's fine. For us, he wasn't. That's interesting. Oh, okay. If, if you guys yeah. are okay, then... Well, right. they, they can hear Jake. Ow they, now, yeah. brown cow. Ow now. There you go. <laughs> they can hear Jake fine because his mic is going through another source. That, I that's get what, it. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. But, yeah. All right. Well, you don't need anyway, to see me. Right. I have a face for radio anyway, but... Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they'll do more 11 personnel to answer your question. Um, I, they have four competent receivers who have proven that they can play at the NFL level. And I think Donovan people's Jones, they want to get him more involved. Yes. Probably is interference from my family. Um, they want to get him involved in some capacity more than last year. They want to get him more than 15 targets, but at the same time, he's, he's a you know the guy crouching on the screen in front of you Kevin Stefanski is he's a guy who loves heavy personnel settings so the Browns were tied for second to last and I don't even like saying second to last but they were 31st in the NFL last year in um 11 personnel do I expect that to shoot up like crazy probably not maybe they get into the 25th 24th something like that uh and and it's back to a subtle throwback where you know, the easiest stuff to do when you come into a new job with little preparation time, little meeting time, little little group work on the field like it was last year is to throw heavy personnel settings out there and run the football. They did it a ton at the beginning of the year. They started to back away from that as they got more comfortable and more time around each other. So I continue to say this is the year to truly evaluate who the Browns want to be because they'll have so much experience with each other from a cohesion standpoint from a here's who we are here's how we take advantage of our personnel standpoint but i don't know that kevin will ever jump into like the middle of the nfl and personnel in terms of using 11 they'll have an uptick is my guess but do they go from maybe having uh i don't know 40 percent or maybe right above below 50 percent to 70 percent like the Bengals led the nfl 73 or 4 percent 11 no i don't think they'll do that but you got to think two guys like if they get out early in games and they're jumping out in front of teams like they have last year several times, they're clearly not going to be in 11 personnel sets because they're not going to throw it a ton. They're going to run the clock out and use those two gifted running backs. So some of this is uh, is is predicated on the the situation in the game. So my my guess, my hunch is going to be that they have an uptick in some form or fashion, maybe creep into the mid to early twenties in terms of usage there, but they'll still be toward the top of the NFL. They led the NFL last year in, in 12, uh, two tight ends or more uh, alignments last year. They'll, they'll still be up near the top, if not the top in that uh, department. I still think they will be really high because they like their tight ends. They have two really good ones. And then Harrison Bryant's coming into his own as a young player too. So it's okay to get those guys on the field. Uh, as far as like I, someone mentioned, I think the original question had formations. I, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what they're going to do. Twelve personnel. Like they, they I could talk about, about personnel groupings. As far as formations, like yeah. where they line up on the field, that's like they go crazy with that. I can't really give you a great yeah. answer. They'll have the fullback be on the field. Some they'll use a tight end as a fullback and shift. What I above all else, I want to see them using motion and shifting all the time. Like the best yeah. offenses in the NFL. Brandon Staley had such a great, a great quote about this. The new chargers head coach about how the best offenses in the NFL use motion all the time. Like they, it's, it's a huge part of what they do. Snap motion, pre-snap and even the post-snap splits uh a split screen uh split zone read stuff like they're using guys moving and crisscrossing and it's a whole bunch of 
of uh, eye manipulation. And that's what I, I think the Browns did a really great job of last year. But I expect, you know, I put that uh, a Falcons first drive. The Browns came out and they shifted twice. And then they motioned Kadero Hodge from one side of the field to the other. Like, I expect them to do that a lot. It just it just confuses defenses and puts them in a in an, uh, a a little bit of a predicament in terms of what they think is coming. So I don't know the the formations they're going to use so much. We'll we'll track personnel all year, personnel groupings and and all of that all year. But uh, we'll we'll see what they do if they get any funky formations. We'll definitely talk about them and 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 we'll we'll have discussions too about some of the things that they like to do because just patterns will form throughout the season too. It, uh, it goes back to, I remember, because I'm an old dude, uh, when Joe Gibbs was with Washington back in the early 80s, they were the first team, that I, at least that I remember, to do a ton of it. They shifted their tight end from one side to the other and went in motion virtually every snap. And I remember John Madden saying something on the telecast that they do that because it gives Joe Theismann more information. And I, I remember being 13, 14 years old thinking, well, why doesn't every team do that? Like, if not all the time, like it's never made any sense to me. The teams don't do that if it's going to give your quarterback more information. And I think the guy on the screen there, uh, he's, he's going to do whatever yeah. whatever he can to give himself an advantage. And it leads us into something that I wanted to talk about here because we've got only got about five minutes left until the ticket giveaway. Yeah, five uh, minutes, five minute countdown. Get those entries in. Use the command exclamation point ticket to enter. Uh, there And it's something that this season, but specifically I wanted to tie it into the Chiefs. There was a good article out today about which coaches made the correct, and you got to take that in quotation marks when you're talking about analytics guys, decisions to go for it on fourth down situations. Because we've all seen more teams going for it, not only in the middle of the field, but on their own 25-yard line because the numbers say to do that. And Kevin Stefanski was number one in that uh, 14 times he was in a fourth down uh, situation where the analytics said it was a strong time to go for it. He went for it 11 of those times. Now, obviously, we like that as fans because it's exciting, especially if it works. You know, that's fantastic. But as it relates to the Chiefs, again, like you said before, you don't go in and play scared. You don't go in and think that you have to gamble a ton to beat this team. But it, it, when when you're playing a team like the Chiefs and a guy like Patrick Mahomes who can score like like that, can score in bunches, it's like when the yeah. Warriors used to go on one of their runs back in the, back in their heyday in the NBA, the Chiefs can put up piles of points before you can even breathe. Do you think we might see, a, if he's in that situation, do you think we might see a little more aggression against the Chiefs than we would against, say, you know, the Texans or the Bears or, you know, some other team that on paper is not nearly as good? You better touchdowns beat the Chiefs, not field goals, man. Like they're they're Damn they're right. going to they're going to think that way. I think I think they're going to throw it a ton, and I think they're going to uh, try to keep up with them as best they can. Because you know, I think the theory of running the ball against Kansas City is fun to sit around and talk about and pound your fist on the table, but you, you need to throw it, you need to score, and you need to put points on the board to beat these guys and outscore them. So yeah, I expect him to be. Uh, aggressive in every phase and especially on fourth downs not just because i think it's his nature steve like you mentioned but like i think he's just yeah this game is is going to be necessary to get every single point you can get you're not like we said you're not gonna you know you're not gonna win by kicking three field goals in the first half against these guys so you got to go find a way to put touchdowns on the board and hopefully that means they're unpredictable as often as they can be unpredictable, that they run from uh, predictable pass scenarios and they pass from predictable run scenarios and try to keep the Chiefs defense on their heels. And we'll see whether they have their defensive leader or not, because it will be a big deal. 
Uh, he is a game changer for them. If he misses the game, that will be uh, pretty important because they don't have anybody even remotely like him defensively. So you're talking about uh, Badger, right? I am a hundred percent talking about yeah. Tyron Matthew. Yes. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think if they lose Chris Jones, they can still generate, they have Alex Okafor. They have some guys, Frank Clark up front who can still get some pressure, but yeah, like they, they don't make anyone like quite like him. You know, he's unique in that sense. So it would really help them uh, feel comfortable doing some different things offensively. But like, yeah, to, to your point, aggressive in all phases. And that will that will also mean aggressive on fourth down in those sort of neutral areas of the field, the 40 to the 40 and and going after it. So I expect him to to do that. And I mean, they have nothing to lose, man. You're not expected to win this game. They're 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 not expected to win it for whether the gambling odds or general public or anybody like yeah. go into it with nothing to lose. It's not a division game. It's your first game out of the year. Like, go out there and play, man. Like, put it all on the line. See what happens. You come back yeah. the next week. You got two winnable home games. So. Don't hold anything uh, tight to the chest or anything like that. Like go, 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 be aggressive in all facets. In my opinion, absolutely. And Fred said it. I mean, they should come out and play loose, and I think they're gonna. What, what do they have to lose in this game? Really, when you really big picture, what do they have to lose? It's week one. All right, guys, we are one minute away from the giveaway. This is your last chance to enter. If you'd like to enter. For two tickets to the Browns home opener against the Houston Texans on September 19th, use the command ticket. That's exclamation point ticket to enter the giveaway. We're going to be drawing that name in about one to two minutes here. Uh, good question as we watch this uh, this stuff again. And again, like I said before, Jake, you, you pointed this out to me. You, you watch when the Browns are on offense. The Chiefs were just crowding everybody because they had zero fear, absolutely zero fear of getting beat over the top. But from the offensive side, we saw the one uh, that worked to Najoku. That was a way to slow down that aggressive front uh, early in the game there that one went for like 23 yards or something like that. Should we? Do you think we're going to see an uptick in the uh, tight end and wide receiver? And I'll throw the tunnel screen in there too because between Felton and Schwartz, they have guys that can run that uh, the way it needs to be run. Yeah, if, if anything, if they're going to face a heavy dose of man pressure, which I think they will, kind of kind of go back to thinking about uh, go back to thinking about uh, they play similar to to Baltimore, you know, in a sense of they want to get down in your face and make life uncomfortable for your receivers. Uh, I would say tight end screens are definitely a live piece of this week. I'd say running back screens are a live piece. Uh, like bubble screens are tough, man to man. They'll blow up tunnel and slip screens, but if you can maybe play action to one side, like under center stretch, play action to your right, and then throw back a tunnel screen where you're leaking two linemen back to the backside against. Uh, like think back to, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back after your guys' memory. I don't know if you recall this play. They ran it in in week one of 2019. I know we all try to forget that Titans game. But they they put Odell on a backside slip screen off play action where Greg Robinson got called for that brand new yeah, crackback right. block rule. And it was right. kind of like wiped out a 15, 20 yard play like that's something they could do, too, because you can press off downfield and then drive back toward the quarterback and get up inside of a garden tackle leaking to the backside. You know, the Browns are such heavy flow team with how they run their wide zone stuff. It's it's a nice little uh Wrinkle quarterbacks under center. He steps hard. One, two, three, extends the ball and then pulls the ball down real quick and lasers it to the backside. So that's a good way to to beat some man pressure as long as you catch it behind the line of scrimmage. So stuff like that's in play, but not your traditional like you like to run bubble screens and slip screens with just your outside guys if you have number leverage, right? Like if you have three over two in trips or if you have two over one. Uh, they probably won't get much of that because the Chiefs like to cover down on everybody, as you see here. Like, look at that coverage. They like to cover down on people. So 
yeah, that's the stuff I expect. Running back screens will be big. I think they'll put a couple of those into play, and a tight end screen or two will be in play as well. Let's give away some tickets, man. Let's yeah. do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. All give right. Give a countdown, to, give give a countdown a, Andy. Giveaway is closed. It is closed. No countdown. It's closed. <laughs> it's closed. You had your chances. I think everyone got in. We had a, this is the most entries. Go figure for, you know, most entries we've had for a giveaway. So appreciate you guys, number one. Guys, there's been 115, 120, 130, 140 plus of you in here pretty much the entire hour and 57 minutes we've been live. You guys are awesome. You're as hungry and excited for the for Chiefs week as we are. So uh, without further ado, let's start. Yeah, let, go ahead. Before you draw, let me just say, whoever wins, uh, we said this when yes. we gave away the preseason tickets, it's different now. We don't actually have paper tickets to give you. They, it's all virtual now. So what you'll have to do is if you don't have an account with clevelandbrowns.com, you're going to have to download the app, go open that account, and then I will be able to transfer them to you digitally. Once you get the app uh, loaded up, it's a piece of cake. It's not a problem. But if you don't have that, you have to do that. Uh, so what you're going to do, whoever wins, uh, find me on Twitter at Browns Mock Draft. You can see it right there. Uh, send, follow me, send me a DM, and uh, we'll hook up that way, and I'll walk you through the process. It's not complicated, but I wanted to say that before we did the drawing, just so everybody is aware. Yep, sounds good. Are we ready to draw? Who's ready? Who's ready for some Browns tickets? I can't hear you. Oh, wait, because you guys are watching from home. I can't hear you. But I know you guys are yelling and screaming. I know a lot of people in the chat want to win. Best of luck to all you guys. Let me let's go. Here we go. Drawing a winner. Relomar won the ticket giveaway with a 1.23 chance. Nice. Wow. 1.23. Yes. Relomar, are you in the chat, my friend? I bet you are. I hope he yeah. is. If not, that's a problem. Yes. Relomar, you Relomar, have won. Relomar, make yourself known. There he is. There yes, sir. Is. Relomar. Congratulations. Do you have Twitter, Relomar? I'm assuming you have Twitter. Uh, if you have Twitter, you want to contact Stephen Thomas at Browns Mock Draft. If, if you have Twitter, I'm assuming you already follow the great Stephen Thomas, NFL draft analyst and hater of pants of the OBR. I, I would, in father to, <laughs> to Buinka. <laughs> <laughs> all right congrats congrats relomar so what you want to do rel is just message steven on on twitter um he'll slide in those dms slide in those dms and say hey and uh he'll be able to hook you up with those tickets get you all lined up congratulations i'm excited for that game as well because i am uh actually flying back to cleveland uh with my dad to go see the uh home opener as well so maybe i'll run into you my friend no thank you thanks for hanging out thanks for being subbed to the obr twitch and uh thanks for hanging out this whole stream and and to congratulations everyone who to didn't you. win there's more coming so yes stick around uh and like we said if we uh if you didn't win it, uh, uh you can increase your chances by being a subscribed uh, it does increase your chances it increases your odds in the drawing when uh when the machine does it so um if you haven't subscribed time to do that right now during september or use your free one from amazon prime this is a great time. If you were ever thinking about gifting subs or maybe subbing for the first time yourself and you don't have Amazon Prime and you're unable to create Twitch Prime, which would give you a free sub to the OBR, if you are if you don't have Amazon Prime, this is the time, the good time to, to subscribe because it is 20% off for all new subs and 20% off for all gifted subs for 
Twitch's little promotion they've done for a year now is called September, and it's it's kind of changed every year. And this year, I kind of like the straight up straight up twenty percent off deal. It's a good deal. One, <laughs> that was a, that's a good one. That's a good one, Joe. Um, what some other thoughts, uh, Jake? Since we have uh, I don't know about nine or ten minutes in here, what what are your thoughts? Uh, move uh, that somebody hasn't asked a question on anything specific that's on your mind for this Sunday when they uh, invade Arrowhead uh i'm gonna be excited to see how the browns handle crowd noise like real crowd noise we haven't right. seen a full packed nfl stadium in a year so you know i don't this is just me personally the crowds still make me a little uneasy but whatever they're happening um and it's gonna be extremely raucous and we saw 16 games last year of half not even half capacity for games like very thin and and it's it's gonna be deafeningly loud there it's one of the ultimate home field advantage locations i think they renamed that state it's still something it's some weird uh sponsor yeah. at arrowhead that is kind of strange yeah. but i just I, know. Yeah, I don't love it but anyway yeah that's that's what i'm focused on is how they handle the communicate because baker had even mentioned it today <laughs> uh what they're what they're looking at is is how they handle the communication aspect of of this whole thing because it's going to be new for a lot of teams right like you take yeah. a full year off of playing in loud stadiums adjusting to seventy thousand screaming maniacs in your ear is a thing you got to get used to again especially especially offensive communication where it's so paramount to to know about tweaks and changes right before the snap so that from the offense perspective is one of the many things i'm paying attention to but it is an untalked about storyline for this year is fans and home field advantage is returning this year because it was not a thing last year. Even the data showed us that it wasn't the thing it has been for all those years before. So uh, we will see. And then I, uh, you know, obviously look forward to seeing how loud first energy stadium is when they open oh, the next week. Can't, so. can't wait. And I tell you, I'll take that one more. I mean, I don't want to jump too far ahead this year, but I, I really, I really want to host a playoff game and I want to hear that crowd so loud through my television for a home playoff game. I miss that sound so much. Jake, what's your thoughts on the game going to Yellowstone? Um, I think this is going to be weird. I hope I hope people have stopped <laughs> watching. Baker's got some ridiculous quads. I don't think that's talked about <laughs> enough. Like, that dude's he got does. some strong legs, man. He, I noticed he, it up there live, but, like, watching camp and stuff. But, like, he's got some quads, dude. His, that, that's his whole bottom me. half is stacked, man, from, from ass, thighs, quads down man as far as we know like you know um that caught my eye i'm like sup dude hit the squats um anyway it looked like a great golfing adventure baker golfs with no shoes so i'm not surprised to see odell out there golfing with no shoes it's a thing i guess um but no this it looked like they had fun man they got together they're spending time those are the guys you want to see together right odell and jarvis and baker and and Hoop went with them and building chemistry, and it looked like they're just having a blast, and they're getting to know each other well. Like, that's what you want. You know, you want these guys to get to know each other well and care about each other, and I think that they're finally there. You know, I, you always kind of wonder, do these guys really even like each other? You know, do they hang out away from the field? And that right. stuff's always cool. So plus the mixture of Tom Brady used to take Edelman and and uh and, and all of those guys out that way too and tom even commented on the picture so yeah that was really cool and it's a cool way to unchar i'm sure it was really neat for them too yeah and uh it's it i, I fred's talked about it i think i've even heard you talk about it in the past jake 
that is one thing. This this roster can be as talented as it is, and I think we all know how talented this roster is, but there does seem to be that real tight camaraderie environment going on there. There's something special brewing here, and it's it's not just the talent. Uh, I, I, th- I think you watch those – Jarvis Landry YouTube vlogs that he does. I mean, that shows it with flying colors to me. And that, yes, I'm excited about the talent, obviously, but the fact that they are so tight-knit, and that all starts, I think we all agree, that starts with Kevin Stefanski. And, gosh, it's got me excited, guys. I would urge everybody to go read the uh, the Ringer article on Andrew Barry that was posted today, which was such a unique look at the man. Uh, sort of behind the curtain, who who makes a lot of key decisions, and they tracked his life back to Harvard and and the people around him at Harvard and his early scouting years. And I posted about an hour ago about a quote that I just loved, and and that they want to bring this this idea, this culture of calm, and uh, that is what he is all about. You know, he's talking about how Kevin and himself are people who are. Uh, you know, uh, habits built. They're 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 confident people, but there there's a level of of laid back to their regiment, right? Like they they're regimented, disciplined humans, but they're they're laid back in nature, and I think that's easy to see. You know, that's yeah. it's hard to describe them because there's there's I've never heard Kevin Stefanski yell. Like I've just never heard him yell. Like I've never heard him really get after someone. I'm sure. And like when you get those two in press conferences, they're the same. They just like. Those guys could be brothers, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, I could see it. Their demeanor is so similar, and that that culture of calm thing. And after it's like after all of the chaos that has happened in Cleveland for so many years, just idiots running things that shouldn't be running things, decisions made, selecting idiots who shouldn't be involved in big time football. And it's just, it's a great thing to read articles like that about uh, the people that are in Cleveland and. Uh, go read that. I, I just posted a, a clip from it. I think I can't remember who who wrote it. Uh, I should I should have known that. I, I, I apologize to the author of that piece, uh, but it's great and you should try to find it. It's on the uh, it's on the ringer dot com. You can't miss it. NFL section after you read everything on the OBR dot com. Yes. <laughs> That's 100%. right. That's right. That's right. Well, well guys, we wrap it now. Yeah, I say we yeah. wrap it and uh, we'll be back tomorrow. It's guys. We weren't lying. We told you in the preseason through training camp when we launched this Twitch on July 26th that once the season started, that this channel the at, at the OBR would be live seven days a week, and we were not lying to you. Uh, we're going to be live with content every day this week. Tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern with OBR Weekly. 7 p.m. is going to be the debut of the OBR matchup round table. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to have a cool new guest host for that. Um uh, I've got a lot going on, so sadly I can't host that show, but uh, we're going to have uh, plenty of cool stuff going on with that. And then Saturday, Steve, you're at 11 a.m. Eastern with your uh, debut of your show as well. Do you want to drop a little Yeah, we're that? doing yeah. – uh, I booked uh, Jordan Reed from the Draft Network will be joining us. We'll be doing uh, just an Great hour kid. a week this early for draft stuff, and it's mostly going to be, you know, here's some guys that at the positions we think the Browns might target next April that are in Jordan's top 50 – Here's what time they play today. Here's what he likes about them. Maybe a little, you know, highlight footage, that kind of stuff. It's not going to be too in-depth. There's no reason deep dive on the draft yeah. this early. But we do want to start our, our prep so that when February rolls around, we're familiar with all hmm. these guys. And Jordan's one of the best out there. I know you he agree is. with me on that, Jake. So that'll be 11 o'clock, 11 a.m. Eastern. 
uh, yep. on Saturday before all the college games kick off. Yep. And then obviously, guys, you guys know pregame and postgame all season long. We're going to have pregame and postgame shows. Obviously, time will differ by by um, by the time of the Browns game. I think what, what did we decide on? It was 2.30. 2.30. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Okay, great. So, um, all right, guys, I appreciate everyone watching, hanging out. There was over 100 of you in here the entire time. Congratulations, Darrell, on winning that those Browns tickets, and thanks, everyone, for participating in that giveaway. Uh, be on the lookout for future giveaways because we're going to have plenty more of those. For uh, Jake Burns, Stephen Thomas, thanks to Fred Greetham for joining us earlier. I am Andy Lytle. Let's go, Browns. Week one, baby. Let's go. Hoo, hoo, hoo.